Welcome back, my fellow lift lovers. I am your host, Alice Black, and today we are stuck in a lift with the legend behind the water bottles. Say no more, it's the one and only Jules Black. Doors closing. Welcome to the 13th floor. Stuck in a lift HQ. Do I call you Jules or do I call you mum? I'm not sure. Hey, how are you? Hey, sweetheart. Well, first of all, congratulations to you for the podcast. It's a good success and lots of people are talking about it. And thank you for inviting me. So I have to be professional today. Well, you are the woman with all of the water bottles in their boot. So um, I've got to start by asking, how many have you given out <laughs> in 2023? I know I'm called the water bottle lady. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the last the last couple of years, it's it's in the thousands, and um, it was a brainwave of Michael Craddock from Shorts, and he's an amazing guy. If you want a brand built, he's the man, and um, he came out of it one really hot summer, and he's he was like, let's do water bottles, and they're just so stylish. Although, don't put them in the dishwasher, um, and yeah, everyone asked me as soon as I arrived, they're like, what you got in your boot, Jules? What you got in your boot? <laughs> so, yes, I've been I've given out thousands. Yes. Is that the key bit of merch, or what are you saying, the pens more? No, that's the key bit of merch. Yeah, that's a key bit of merch. Yeah, it's um, yeah, and then the people call me and go, don't tell anyone, but I put them in the dishwasher, and I'm like, oh, here we go. How many do you want? Yeah, and then the wives, the wives pinch them, or the children pinch them. But um, yeah, it was a it was a fantastic idea, and I don't know if you know this, but at Liftex we won um, giveaway merch for the show. I mean, yeah. I'm not surprised. Well, Every time I go on LinkedIn, then water bottles are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they rattle along down the back of my car. <laughs> that, that you... and the mugs, that and the mugs. The mugs have been a massive success as well. So everyone loves the mugs, don't they? The mugs, yeah. I reckon your water bottles are on par with the ducks. Oh, it's up there. It's up there with the ducks, 100%, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what a brilliant concept that is. But yeah, you get a concept right and you're laughing. Absolutely. And so and it's a lift professional name as well. It's the lift professional. I go in the gym and they want a, they want one. <laughs> They're like, we're lift professionals. And I'm like, yeah, why doesn't why doesn't the gym sell these? They would clean up. Anyway, yeah, anyone listening, go and sell them to your gym. But we bought the <laughs> name, so you can't have the name. <laughs> brilliant. Okay, let's get to it. Um okay. so no pressure. Um, so I would like to know, what did you want to do when you left school? Well, I think, you know, in this podcast, I think you're going to learn a few things about me that you don't know. All good, though, I must say. Um, so, yeah. So when I left school, well, when I was at school, um, I've always been really, really creative. Um, and I just love being creative, in, as you well know, in the houses that we've owned and, and all that I've done in the houses. But I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I took needlework. I took need to work but you know I did I did make something that was quite unique I I designed a shoe protector that some um, you don't wear heels so you won't you probably won't know about this but you will know from driving so when you drive the back of your shoe gets scuffed because of mud or dirt that's in the in the foot footwell and so I designed a foot protector where you put the heel through this little hole and a little strap comes around the back and I made it from um washable like plasticky material where you could just so you get in your car you slap that around your heel and you protect your shoe so um yeah I designed a, a little thing and a few years ago actually uh, uh, your grandma 
she gets these magazines that they sell all these wacky stuff and they actually had one in there so perhaps i should have painted that idea back in the day but um yeah could have solved them <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean wanting to be a fashion designer you're gonna have a favorite outfit so tell us what your favorite outfit is oh, don't say geez. your crocs no, not me crocs, no. Okay, so you got me into the crocs. Um, no, I love a dress. You know I do. I love dressing up. I love glamour. I love it. Love it. I love being a woman. Love the glamour. Um, even in a male industry, you can still wear glamorous things for work without, you know, looking too cheesy. Um, Favourite outfit, I think, is some white linen trousers I just bought and, um, and, and a big baggy jacket. But um, generally love a dress and heels. That's my favourite go-to, as you as you know. Okay. So when you left school, did you take further studies or did you do any courses? No, I ran away from school as fast as I could. <laughs> and I just felt that I, uh, I had a bit of a funny upbringing um, where I looked after the family from a young age. So I just couldn't wait to get out there and party. Um, but no, I was then introduced into travel. Um, somebody had a bet in the pub to say that they bet I couldn't pass a course that um, they were going to put me on. And if I passed this course, it was quite a lot of studying. And if I passed this course, they were going to offer me a job in their travel agency. And they had a bet. They said, there's no way you'd, you'd pass it. Or, of course, I passed it. And, um, yeah, <laughs> next thing I was a senior travel consultant, writing airline tickets and calculating mileage across the Pacific and various places back in the day when you had to, had to hand write the airline tickets. Um, and it was, a, it was a fantastic job in, in the middle of Knightsbridge. So that was uh, that's why I ended up. I didn't even know that that was a qualification like okay I didn't know I guess at some point airline tickets would have had to be written but everything was written all, all of the reservations that you made for a reservation had to be made by telephone because we didn't have the systems that we have now and all the airline tickets you had to manually calculate the airfare based on the mileage that the airplane was traveling so you, you it was a it was called a fares and ticketing course and it was um, run by British Airways so um, that was very interesting. So then you had to literally manually write the airline ticket. So the airline tickets that you, if you get an airline ticket, actually don't do you to get the e-tickets. Uh, we would have had to hold, have had to count. So I, I, I did that. And then there was further studies that I did in that industry, which um, was, was just system qualifications. What was your first job and what age? My first job was through a job agency that decided that they were going to put me into an insurance company as an administrator which couldn't have been such a worse fit for me um because I couldn't stop talking so I was always in trouble I should get imagine. <laughs> I was in the middle of all of these rows and rows of girls just doing administration and of course I was always getting in trouble for talking and it's for the commercial union um at Axe no Axe Street is it at St Mary's um just around the corner from Fenchurch Street and um yeah it was a, a good opportunity but um yeah, it was, wasn't for me, really, sitting still for too long. What made them think that that was a good role for you? I, do you know what? I think back in the day, bearing in mind, you know, 60 next year and all that. Don't forget to be 60 next year. Hope you're saving. Um, it's, I think back in the day, it was, you know what, push the girls into administration because I remember saying to my careers person that I wanted to be a fashion designer and she just sort of raised an eyebrow, you know. So I think it was... That was the go-to, you know, you know, helped me buy my first car, saved up and bought my first car, which was great. What was that? That was a little mini, little mini I bought and um, kept breaking down every five minutes. But um, yes, I bought a little car. 
And then from there, I was we, we used to drink in this pub, and someone said, "Oh, if you can pass this course, you can get you can be working working this travel agency." And I passed it, and I thought, "We well, better give me a job then." So that's I ended up in travel, and whilst being in travel, I worked in travel for oh nearly fifteen years, and I ended up being um, the MD of a, a travel the travel agency in Knightsbridge, and um, yes, yeah, so I worked my way up. But I, you know, in my defence. Um, I had a fantastic team, so it was um, quite easy to manage when you've got such a good bloody team, and they were so, a good bunch of people. Yeah, it was, a, it was a brilliant job. So how did you get to where you are today? How did your Lyft career begin? That's a good story. That's a really good story. Well, whilst working in travel, um, one of the owners, the the, um, the travel agency was owned by DHL, one of the owners, the D in DHL, um, a gentleman called Dave Allen, um, and my then MD at the time, bet that I couldn't get X amount of business. The people love betting on me, you know. Um, bet that I couldn't get X amount of business into the into the company. And I'd identify that we were in the middle of Knightsbridge, where we used to call it at the time blue chip companies, where but that you know people had this excessive money to spend on travel. And it was a big deal. People used to travel on business. They wouldn't they wouldn't look twice at spending all this money on travel and hotels, etc. So they said you know can you grow the business and I said yeah of course I can and they said okay we'll have a bet so they they literally was in a very very famous restaurant called Senor Sassy around the back of Knightsbridge Green and this guy flicked a dollar and he said right I bet you can't do it got four million pounds worth of business in in a year and you know what I did I went round and I contacted lots and lots and lots of business owners in the area plus lots of private travellers that lived in Sloan Street, um, Knightsbridge Green, Knightsbridge. And I offered them a ticket delivery service and a bespoke delivery service, which no one had ever done. And I was delivering their tickets to them like at seven o'clock at night or taking them down to their private swimming pools where they sit around the pool. I was like, there's your Concord ticket when Concord was still operating. And we just gave a first class service. And I said, you give a first class service, you'll reap the rewards. And that's the motto that I've lived by forever. You give a fantastic service, you're always going to reap the rewards of business. So how how did that link into joining the lift industry? Yeah, sorry, I went a bit off piss there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were born and um, and... I sort of gave up some time, not a lot of time, three months, and then then I went back to work again. Um, and then we moved. We moved um, near to Stansted Airport, and then um, Mercedes-Benz were looking for a receptionist, and it suit, the, the hours suited me better to look after you. So I went to work there, and again, someone said to me, I reckon you'd be good in sales. I said, oh, okay. And they said, well, would you do this? And and I then was working in sales for Mercedes-Benz, Um and then literally, I had that job for quite a long time. And then literally, um, I, I, I met somebody and we both set up a business together. Um, and the first gig that we got asked to look at was with a Ritco. And it was um, basically to promote their new cabin lift, their Ritco 9000 that they had at the time, to architects. They spent a lot of, lot of time on marketing. And they said they needed somebody literally to... Um, to promote this new lift so I my part of in in the business that I owned then was to do customer service etc so I said okay well I'll I'll apply for it and they said okay well I need to take you on as a temp so I said oh, okay fine um 
so yeah that was the introduction into lifts it was through Rick Coe and um what's well, actually Gartic at the time and um it was to promote the, the um the Rick Coe 9000 um and we had a lot of fun doing it and then of course I identified other things that we could look at to potentially grow whilst we were there service contracts picking up service contracts before they went out uh warranty and old oh, tons and tons of things that i sort of picked up and i was there for a long time so um i then went to work for the rico sister company working with their home lift um promoting that and we managed to get the um the rico home lift into a couple of self-builders um catalogs so if, if, say, for example, you wanted to build your own house, you'd go through the catalogue to build your own house pottons. If you look at an old pottons catalogue, you'll see at the back, you can actually have a lift installed into your house as you're building it. Um, so we did that. And then I went on to Stanner from there selling lifts and had a very, very good sales manager called Gary Mollett that we worked with and had a really good team there. The guys are brilliant. And I worked for Stanner. So that's 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 where I was at. And it was generally always sort of a sales typey role, you know, business development, sales, customer care. And again, it was all about looking after the customers, always looking after that side of things. So how long ago did you join the lift industry? Oh, crikey. OK, so it's got to be coming on 20 years now. Got to be, I know. I know I don't look 60. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be 20 years now or just under 18 maybe I can't you know, I can't recall but no I've had some brilliant experiences and I've worked with some brilliant teams and learn oh my goodness me I've learned so much that's been the, the biggest thing and the funniest thing is just learning so much you know and I, I'm I'm you know I think I put the geek gene into you because I absolutely love lifts I really do you know what it's like when we go on holidays like, oh this is a so 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 it's, um, yeah, it's, I love the industry. It's a brilliant industry to be in. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Stuck in a Lift, brought to you by Black's Productions, is sponsored by VM Elevators Limited. VM Elevators is a premium and independent lift and escalator services provider, covering callouts, routine maintenance, modernization, design and installation across all business sectors. Their friendly and reliable engineers are always ready to help and are located throughout the UK nationwide. So whether you are looking to upgrade your existing lift or escalator, seeking innovative solutions for a new construction project, or requiring a reliable maintenance service provider, choose VM Elevators to be your trusted partner. Elevate your business and call VM Elevators for free today on 0800 448 8615 or submit a free quotation request form and find out more via www.vmelevators.com. VM Elevators, where vertical mobility meets unparalleled excellence. Follow on social at VM Elevators, hashtag we are VM Elevators. What's the biggest work success so far? Well, I always look at any success, whether it's small or big, as as a as a success, because I think you just have to reflect on what you do, and you you know you have to take the credit for the things that you do, and and reflect on on the achievements that you that you you do. Um, I think my if I had to choose one thing, and there are many, I'm very very fortunate that I've I've managed to to deliver a lot of good things. There's been a lot of 
bad things, not bad things, but mistakes perhaps I've made along the way. But I think that makes you a, a better person in what you're doing. But the one of the biggest success was when I worked for Mercedes Benz and um Mercedes-Benz dealership at the time, their um the credit rating for the industry, if you like, it was called CSI at the time, customer service index was really quite low out of say 26 Mercedes-Benz dealers. They were like number 25 instead of being like in the top six. And the owner that owned a business put a huge amount of money into the dealership. So it's a bit of an embarrassment for him. So I said to him, you know, we need to go around and train all our people up to become the best customer service people they can in their job. And I said, that doesn't just mean the people that are dealing with people across the counter. That means the guy that's sweeping the leaves outside. That means the guy that's delivering the parts. That means the guy that's delivering, um, that's cleaning the vans. That means the night shift. That means the day shift. That means the guy that's, you know, everyone has got a part to play in this customer service role. So I said, I'm, I, you and I had just come back from New York at the time and um, the customer service out there was fantastic. I said, you know, we could we could bring some of this into this dealership. So I said, I said, let me let me do this. Let me train or help to show the 320 staff that you've got what customer service is. So I did. I went around all the three three dealerships on a regular basis and I worked with the customer care people in the front counter. I worked with people behind the scenes. I worked with the guys out on the ground, the night shift, the 5 a.m.ers. I worked with every single person I possibly could and just asked them to make a tiny, tiny little difference in their day, you know, with the customer, whether it was asking them a simple question, how are you today? Or, you know, just asking them about the family or internally, because we were all internally customers of each other, you know, looking out for your colleague, you know, making sure that that people sort of are looked after. And everybody really embraced it. And um, we went from 25th position in in the um, index to sixth position in a year it was tough I mean I used to arrive at some dealerships and literally I used to go oh I always she's here she's here I wasn't best liked most of the time because they knew that to change people knew that to change of course people don't like changing so over a year it was quite incredible also at the time what we were doing was we were doing customer care calls. So we instigated that we'd call all the customers. This was way back before customer service calls were made. Um, we, we called up the customers and would the customers say, we'll say to the customer, you know, out of five, what would you give us? Oh, we'll give you a four. And then I used to just ask and I used to say, well, what would make you give me a five? And I go, I'll never give anyone a five. And I go, but would you give me a five today? And they go, go on then. Yeah, you, you know what? You put five out of five. I said, well, thank you so much. We do appreciate that. So I got people to sort of think about what they were doing with the scoring because it made a big impact on the dealership, the way they scored us. Well, within a year, we got to sixth position in the in the index, which was amazing for the owner. And Mercedes-Benz then wanted to know what we did. So they said, right, we're going to come and see you. So about seven guys from from Mercedes-Benz, quite big guys from big positions came in and they said, right, we want to see what you've done. So the owner said, well, you better demonstrate what you've done. And I said, but I haven't done anything. I said, 320 people have done something. I said, all I did was help them to find what they needed to do. And so I bought a job recorder and I went around all the dealerships and I videoed everybody and I asked them what, what different thing did they do to basically deliver better customer service? And everyone said something different. I had about half an hour's worth of footage. So anyway, they came in Mercedes-Benz on this day. I must admit, I was nervous. And um, they said, right, could you demonstrate what you've done? I said, yeah, I can. And I played the video to them of all the people. 
and I got a standard ovation and they were like wow and I said well I didn't do anything I said 320 people did something I said and that's how we grew the dealership to be the best in customer customer care and I think that's one of my biggest biggest successes you know nothing came of it I think I got a small bonus of 100 pound I think for delivering that um but for me it was amazing because you know I got I got 320 people to change their mind about what they did and for me that customer care went so much to me so that was that was quite amazing so um thanks for them allowing me to remember that because it's it's in there in in the dark folders in the back of my mind somewhere but yeah it was nice to recall that one again alongside the successful moments there has to be I'm assuming some hard moments of your career could you share some of them with us yeah I think you know, and this is a this is anyone listening to this, it's this it, take this as a warning. So I worked really hard and obviously single mum of a little girl. Um, you know, and you just want to give the best to your your family. Um and I worked really, really hard and I didn't realise what I was doing to myself and I burnt myself out and I got glandular fever. And alongside that came the chronic fatigue that comes with it. And I had that for over a year. And um, I was so poorly. I was so ill. I used to, I used to send you off to school in the morning, and I could, I couldn't, I couldn't even lift up the telephone. It was like lifting up a brick. And anyone that's had chronic fatigue knows what it's like. And so I found um, an alternative therapist that could help me. And it turned out that I had a leaky gut due to stress, and um, I started to rebuild myself. So that took a couple of years to rebuild myself naturally. Um, and you know, now when I get on my bike or go to the gym and do all the things that I do, I'm just so, so grateful that I was just given another chance to, to be me, you know, because when you're fatigued like that and you feel so tired all the time. So anyone listening that might have COVID fatigue, there is a solution. So never give up. There's, there is a solution out there. I got through it. How do you find entering or how did you find entering such a male dominated industry as a woman? Well, I can honestly say when I was younger, when I was back at the travel agency days, because when I was working at the travel agency, I, I set up um, an implant for them in Belgium. So they needed an implant office. So I had to go out to Belgium. And um, so I, had to, I used to fly out to Belgium on a Sunday night and then fly back on a Friday. And I set up an implant office there. And there was probably 95% people that worked in the company at the time were men. And I used to stay in the hotel in the morning, walk down for breakfast, and it was always eyes looking. It was like, oh, she's the only female in the breakfast room, you know. And a couple of times it was intimidating. Then I got sort of used to it. So that was that was when, golly, that was when I was about 25. So, you know, I'm sort of okay with it. And to be honest with you, I think sometimes it has its advantages, you know. But um, I've I've always gained respect from, from people that I deal with, with men. And I can honestly say... There was only one incident that was many years ago that um, someone pushed their luck. But generally, I've had a lot of respect for men in the industry. And, you know, I think if you go in and you go and meet people and you discuss business and you deliver what you say you're going to do, you know, people know me. They know that what's on what's what it says on the tin I do, you know, so they can rely on me and they can trust me. And that's what I built with people. And so it's 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 not been too difficult for me, to be honest. So can you elaborate on that one bad experience that you had? (laughs) 
Yeah, it was a little bit odd, if I'm honest. So it was, it was when back in my travel days and um, one of the senior partners at DHL needed a really urgent Yemen visa. And the only way they could get it was actually to go to Paris to actually get it directly from the, the um, consulate there. Um, so they asked me if I'd travel to Paris the next day um, and go and get the visa for them. I was, of course, of course I will. What, what time flight do you want me to get? I just thought, oh, yeah, a bit of Paris for the day. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. So I arrived at the flight ticket, got got French francs in my hands back in the day. And um, <laughs> I arrived at this fantastic gated um, building. It's a fantastic gated building. And um, they let me in and I said, oh, okay, come up to come to pick the, um, the Yemen visa up for blah, blah, blah. And they said, yeah, well, you'll have to wait for um, the senior, whatever, whatever his name was, to wake up. And I said, it's 12 o'clock. I said, I've got a six o'clock flight to get back to. They said, well, you, you won't get the visa until he wakes up. And I said, okay. I sat there for three hours, three hours outside this guy's reception area, which it turned out was his bedroom. So I'm sitting in the foyer, this hallway of this guy's apartment that's going to wake up and go down, open up the consulate to get the visa for this guy to travel to Yemen, right? Now I'm getting fed three hours, right? So anyway, he comes out, comes out in his bathrobe, starts talking in French and everything else. Come, come, come. He goes, come and have breakfast. I said, breakfast? I said, it's lunchtime. So we go down to this restaurant downstairs in this massive mansion and um, and we have dinner, lunch, and he's chatting and, oh, you should stay. You should do Anyway, the long short of it was, was it was coming up to four o'clock and he still hadn't gone into the consulate yet. And I'm thinking, I'm, it's my birthday the next day. I was thinking, I'm not going to get home, am I? And he then started to chat me up and he started, the, oh, and I thought, oh, here we go. Now I'm in trouble. There, I'm in serious trouble. I was like, we really need this visa. Really need this visa. Anyway, it was it was literally about half past four. I like to get across Paris to get a six o'clock flight. And I said, we need this visa. I said, I've got to get home. And he was like, he would not let me go. I thought I was going to be kidnapped. I absolutely thought I was going to be kidnapped. It was the most awful experience. I started really getting scared and I don't get scared often. <laughs> anyway, in the end, I demanded that he let me go. And I said to him, you'll have to send the visa or do whatever you're going to do with the visa because I cannot miss this. <laughs> I wasn't going to stay a minute longer. So he ended up calling a limousine. It was quite funny. Whizzed right across Paris and I'd like about 40 minutes to go before the flight went and I run, I said, this limousine sort of turns up at the airport, screeching Blake breaks. I open the door. I've got a Mac on my shoulders. I run through like something out of a film. Like they must have thought, who is this woman? A screeching of limousine. <laughs> I've got the flight. And I got home. Oh, I've never been so happy to be home. <laughs> I was like, I seriously thought I was going to be kidnapped. I thought he's never going to let me go. Is that it? I'm, I'm here. So, yeah, it was a tricky old situation. So laughing about it now, but um, at the time it was quite oh, funny sick. at the time. <laughs> I think I was only 21. Very, very innocent. <laughs> it sounds like taken all over again. Oh, it really was. Yeah, it was really frightening. Yeah. And I didn't come back with a visa. So I didn't even, my mission was not accomplished. I did not do what oh, I was no. told to do. What advice would you give to your younger self or any young adult joining the lift industry? Do you know, I, I get asked this quite a bit actually from any youngster that I sort of come across when we get talking, they say, oh, what would you change? Well, I wouldn't change anything that I'd done because it certainly made me the person that I am. But the advice I would give to myself would be believe in yourself, believe in yourself. You know, you know, 
when your intuition and your gut instinct is right, believe that gut instinct and believe that is correct. And, you know, if your gut tells you not to do something, then go with your gut. That I mean, I'm quite spiritual, as you well know, and I do... I do, you know, a lot of that sort of work with regard to believing in my soul and who I am, etc. And I would say to a younger person, forget what people are telling you. Go with your gut instinct. You know, you can learn. You can certainly learn and take on board what people are saying. You don't need to be rude, but go with what you feel the best answer is or the best solution is. Because if I'd used my gut instinct on some occasions in my life, I certainly wouldn't have got into the situation I got myself into. So gut instinct, go with it. Believe in yourself. So with around 20 years of lift industry experiences, you must have seen some out of the ordinary situations. Well, I've seen a lot of things in life that's been weird, but in the lift industry, I suppose, um, I mean, you did ask me this question, so I've had to dig deep. But I think the most memorable is um, I, shared, I shared a lift journey with Helen Bond Carter um, in a hotel in Brighton and um, she was in a toweling robe she was going to the spa and um, yeah so was I so you know you do that sort of check each other out check each other out and after the third look I thought oh god is Helen Bonham Carter she's not got many clothes <laughs> she's in the lift with me so I said oh you're going to the spa she said, yeah. okay. so we went to the spa together and then obviously the rest you know you don't get much in the, in the spa do you so um, yeah that's my claim to fame yes very lovely wow. lady very pretty and um yeah very private very personal but um yeah that was that's probably my lift experience <laughs> traveling in a lift with her so did you say yeah. anything in the jacuzzi i just said is it hot enough do you want me to throw some water on this you know i had to behave myself then sort of thing and um of course you want to talk about all the films and that but you know she was there for a private resting time you know you don't want to invade someone's privacy do you but um no, i was yeah she was beautiful and lovely so yeah, we shared space. We shared steam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we end our podcast with a traditional question. Uh, we would love to know who you'd want to be stuck in a lift with. Well, if it was, I'm going to choose two here, actually. So, you know, if it is one where, you know, it's got to be some eye candy, it's got to be somebody like Adam Levine from Maroon 5, because, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd actually make the lift break if you got into the lift. You know, you wouldn't see me for days. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> although I've heard he's really quite a nasty person but no seriously the person I would love to get the stuck stuck in the lift with other than yourself um is um is actually probably someone like Ruby Wax you know Ruby Wax she's such an incredible person she's so clever you know she's got some major mental health issues and which she shares she's written various books so talented so talented and so funny so yeah it would be Ruby Wax I think I'd choose to um be stuck in a lift with but um and of course all my lovely lovely customers that I get to see on a regular basis they can all share the lift with me too <laughs> <laughs> mum the woman behind the shorts water bottles um thank you so much for joining us on stuck in a lift um it's been a pleasure um and thank you yeah welcome darling and all the best with it and i'm really proud and um, i'm gonna gush now proud of you what you're doing and it's a good industry to be in so this is why we're doing this right and proud of you for taking the time out of your time to do it so well done listeners if you are out there and wanting to join us for a chat and stuck in a lift all you need to do is give us a message on linkedin under blacks productions and if you enjoyed our podcast today, we ask if you can share the love and hit subscribe. We would much appreciate it. 
Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.